they wants to keep make make sure that the the the, the Chinese economy can survive if the U.S. cuts China off. Mm. I think there uh, there is uh, the Taiwan issue is lurking, and uh, the government is really clearing clearing the debt the deck, like uh, let the debt bubble go, property debt bubble go. And uh, making sure Chinese companies are separated from the U.S., so no U.S. sanctions could send a shock to to China in in that area, uh, and uh, ramping up uh, the the research for uh, uh, for tech, so that uh, the the tech war becomes uh, less in, uh, has less impact on China. So I think the 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 the, the government is really getting gearing up for a major conflict over Taiwan. So you think geopolitical tensions are going to escalate even further next year? Yeah, I think the long-term trends. Uh, long-term trend in the 2021, we see that uh, the short-term issues are related to pandemic, and some long-term trends related to the inflation and Chinese property. Uh, and, uh, and then there's even longer-term issue uh, trends that are related to strategic uh, concerns, like uh, China and Russia want their own spheres of influence mm-hmm. in their near borders. The United States has been pushing to their the borders since the end of the Cold War. And now these two countries are strong enough to fight back. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, uh, the conflicts are inevitable. That, that they will try to, uh, until they gain this phase of influence, they will not stop. Okay. Well, Andy, thank you very much for your thoughts. Have a very happy Christmas. Look forward to speaking to you again next year. That's independent-based, Shanghai-based economist Andy Sher. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Quick look at the markets in Australia. The SX200 is down about uh, half a percent. In Japan, the Nikkei 225 is off two-thirds of a percent. The Cosby in South Korea down one percent. And looks like the Hang Seng is going to open 130 points lower later on this morning. Thank you very much for listening. Stay tuned to Radio 3 Back Chat coming up next with Janice Wong and Jenny Lam. Let me give you an update on the weather forecast. Cloudy with occasional rain. It's going to be cool. Temperatures lingering around 17 degrees during the day and then cool and cloudy with rain tomorrow. Temperature right now is 16 degrees, 80% relative humidity. 8.32, here's Todd Harding with the half-hour news. With all the results now in from the geographical constituencies in yesterday's LegCo election, non-establishment candidates have failed to win a single seat. By contrast, the DAB has emerged as the big winner, with its candidates winning in each of the ten constituencies. The DAB's chairwoman, Starry Lee, won nearly 96,000 votes in Kowloon Central, the most among geographical constituency candidates. She said a voter turnout of about 30% was within her expectations. This is a new system. This is the system we call Patriot Administrating Hong Kong, right? This is uh, different from the previous one. Therefore, you cannot compare directly. And I believe that uh, with the new system, people need time to get used to that. Therefore, the 30% uh, turnout rate, I would say, it is within my expectation. Former lawmaker Frederick Fong, who lost in Kowloon West, said he didn't get enough votes because many people feel indifferent to the current political situation and the LegCo election. Many people who support democracies won't come out to vote. That creates a situation that I can't get enough voting in the campaign. Results have also been announced for the election committee constituency. Wendy Wong has more. All nine incumbent lawmakers have successfully been re-elected in this constituency, with Priscilla Leung getting the highest number of votes among all the candidates. 
There are a lot of new faces, including Principal Tan Fei, lawyer Maggie Chan, accountant Nelson Lam, Reverend Peter Kuhn, City University Professor Sun Dong, and eye doctor Dennis Lam. However, two English-speaking candidates, founder of the Lang Kui Fong Group, Alan Zeman, and former government official Michael Rouse, have lost. Electrician Vincent Diu, bus driver Choi Wing Kang, and TV presenter Chen Chi Yi also lost. Ma Fung Kwok, who previously represented the sports, performing arts, culture and publication sector, has been re-elected to LegCo in the election committee constituency. He said he was happy to see people with different backgrounds and expertise win. For all those candidates, they all come from different sectors and different backgrounds. Through the, camp- the campaign process, I discovered many of those uh, can really represent a number of wheels from the various sector and, and uh, also even uh, different political inclination. So I think it's, it's a very good mix of uh, opinion. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Back Chat. I'm Janice Wong and your co-host today is Jenny Lam. Good morning, Jenny. Good morning, everyone. Today, we're talking about the Legislative Council elections, the first since Beijing's revamp of the electoral system earlier this year to ensure that only patriots can govern Hong Kong. A total of 90 lawmakers will be elected to fill the seats in the geographical, functional and election committee constituencies. And as we heard in the news summary, not all the results are in yet. But we do have four results for the 40 seats in a new election committee constituency and uh, the geographical constituencies as well. We'll hopefully be able to speak to some of the winners in just a moment. There are no opposition candidates in this year's polls as such, but there are many self-described independents from all sorts of backgrounds, in addition to those from pro-establishment parties. So how different will the new LegCo be? And with the final turnout for directly elected seats at 30.2%, what does that say about these elections? Let us know your thoughts. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. Email us at backchat at rthk.hk or how about give us a call on 23388266. That's 23388266. We'd love to hear from you. On the line now with us is John Burns, an emeritus professor at the Department of Politics and Public Administration at the University of Hong Kong. And hopefully we'll be joined later by one of the winners in the election committee constituency, the DAB's Nixie Lam, who, uh, as many of you know, is a regular co-host of Backchat. First of all, good morning to you, Professor Burns. Good morning. Thanks for joining us on the program. So what do you make of the results so far? Well, I think for me, the most eye-catching was the turnout. Um, I think turnout matters. And although the government has said various things at various times about turnout, it is, without a doubt, a very important indicator of the extent to which people are interested in this election. And I think we can see that basically 70% of uh, voters turned their back on it. And I think this um, says something not so much about apathy, but about alienation of a large group of uh, population. And I believe, you know, through exit polls, there were exit polls, we haven't had the results of these, we'll find out something about the age of the voters. And my impression is that younger um, electors just 
fade away. The, the very fact that the government criminalized inciting people for not voting is an indication that the government also paid very close attention to turnout in spite of what it says now. So, know, um, yeah, yeah. So the, you know the the DAB Starry Lee. He uh, she said that it, it just takes time for people to understand this new um, ele electoral system. Do you envisage some changes in the future when people gain deeper understanding of this new system? I I don't think it's a matter of understanding. Myself, I think people do understand the system. Uh, getting used to it. Yes, it, may ta it will definitely take time for that. Um, I think now, though, people will be waiting to see what the consequences of this new system are for our LegCo. How is the legislature going to behave um, in this new environment? What do you envisage um, the impact will be on, polit on policy formulation? So this is uh, what we um, what we're <laughs> we're all waiting to see. I mean, the liaison office, on the one hand, I suppose, um, wants the legislature to be supporting the government, and the liaison office has done a huge job coordinating these elections. Um, and so I think it will be up to the liaison office to discipline these 90 people. So will they be supporting the government? Basically, their job, as I understand it, in an executive-led system is to support the government. And then we have to see what is the capacity of the government to solve problems. Remember that capacity depends on political capacity. And that, that is made up of accountability and trust and things like that. But the, these elections demonstrate that the people's trust, 70% of them were distrusting enough to stay away from these polls, um, is, so there's a huge gap here. Professor Burns, earlier you talked about uh, the turnout rate. How big of a role do you think Sunday's free MTR tram and bus rides and the uh, setting up of polling stations at border checkpoints uh, played in the final voter turnout rate? I don't think that the free transport um, undermined or undercut the turnout rate. Um, I, I, perce I perceive it to be neutral. I mean, I don't think it had much uh, impact uh, one way or the other. Um, the the bo uh, border polling, I think, you know, probably enabled a small number, relatively small number of people to participate this way. I'm one of the kind of people that thinks we should be able to vote any way possible. And so expanding that is a good thing, I would say. You know, the uh, non-establishment candidate, Frederick Fung, he said earlier um, on, on losing in uh, Kowloon West that he felt it was the apathy of among pro-democracy voters, um, and that's why he lost. What are your thoughts on, on this? Actually, actually, so, Professor, Professor yeah. Burns, actually, this, Professor Burns, before we go to that, why don't we actually listen to what uh, Frederick Fung had to say? Yes. Many people who support democracies won't come out to vote. That creates a situation that I can't get enough voting. 
in the uh, campaign. It's not just you, because it's like generally in other yeah. geographical constituency as well. Does that mean that there's no more market for non-establishment candidates? figures in the legislation. I only can say that uh, the situation at present day, it is not easy to push the people. I think they are feel, feeling indifference in this uh, present political situations. When you when they feel indifference, it's very, very difficult to push them to do something politically, support something they think they are negatively thinking of that action they shouldn't do. And what do you think the le legislature will be like without any non-establishment figure in it? If it turns out none of them get it, and I think uh, the legislature will be uh, monopolized by one voice, and the other voice, especially uh, the voice in political uh, field, will no one will representing say something some voice in. In, uh, dem in democracies, something uh, in uh, speech, uh, freedom of speech, uh, human rights, and so on. So the, it's no, not right. I think it's not right and no, no good for Hong Kong. As you know, Hong Kong is the city that good for everybody. So that's uh, former lawmaker Frederick Fong. I mean, Frederick Fong has been around for an awful long time, and he he lost to the DAB's Vincent Chang and Scott Lung of Kowloon West New Dynamic. So, uh, Professor Burns, what do you make of what Frederick Fong said? Well, I must say that I disagree. A apathy seems to indicate, as he said, indifference or don't care. I don't think that was the case. I've described it as alienation. That is to say, that which is a, which is a much stronger uh, kind of feeling about this particular system. And so we're talking about a low turnout. We haven't even talked about blank or spoiled ballots. I don't know what percentage of people who actually contributed to the turnout um, failed to vote properly. So this is this when this comes in, this will be uh, additional information. He said that Lechko now will speak with one voice. I am less sure of that. We have to see how effective is the liaison office at discipline these 90 people. Will And we don't know, we can guess, but we haven't seen any most results for the functional constituencies. In the past, functional constituencies have been very aggressive about pursuing their own sectional interests. I refer to the property developers and the business interests for low taxation and all that. Will they be allowed to do this now in the new look Let's Go, or will the liaison office demand that they um, vote as the liaison office wishes? So we don't know this. And support for the government, I think it will. there will be much more support for the government in this Let's Go than there has been in the past. But will it be unanimous? Will it be one voice? I still don't know. All right. Uh, let's bring in uh, businessman Alan Zeman now, who uh, failed to secure one of the 40 seats in the new election committee constituency. Welcome to Back Chat, Mr. Zeman. Good to be here. Um, so, so, I mean, how do you feel? I mean, were you, were you, I mean how disappointed are you? Well, obviously, uh, you know, when one's running an election, one expects hopefully to win. But uh, the fact that uh, I missed kind of by 15 votes, uh, still, it's, uh, you know, I would have liked to have won. But, 
you know, in trying to analyze what went wrong, uh, probably voter uh, diversity um, could have been one of the reasons because all the 51 candidates, uh, actually you know, almost all of them were very qualified to, uh, you know, to, to win uh, and would do a good job because I've been with them for the last month canvassing and uh, I've got to know most of them. And so um, I think everyone was kind of sending the same message across, you know, Hong Kong faces many problems and everybody knows what the problems are. And uh, so I think maybe it was voter diversity that, uh, you know, my speeches were in English, <laughs> along with my grouse. And, and uh, it's possible in, in some of the uh, districts, some people didn't even understand the, the English. And, and uh, that's possible. Or many people just decided that uh, <laughs> I wasn't the right one for the job. So. So a Professor Burns from Hong Kong University suggested that actually is that many voters feel alienated from this new system of voting. What are your thoughts on that, Mr. Zeman? Uh, listen, it's a new system. Obviously, the old system, as far as I was concerned, really did not work. We can see Hong Kong faced many, many problems with the old LegCo, with all the filibustering that was going on in LegCo. Um, and, you know, uh, LegCo is actually the engine that uh, drives, builds the government to be able to... Uh, have some of their policies endorsed and and uh, everything was stuck and I think this new ledge go on paper looks like it really has a chance to make things work uh, get bills passed uh, work together with the government not against the government and uh, I think it'll benefit the people of Hong Kong and also bring a closer relationship with China um, which uh, is what, what what happened after 97 and so I think I think that uh, Basically, you know, I'm willing to give it a chance and, and, and hopefully it works for the best. You know, I look around the world at different systems, electoral systems, and uh, not many of them work very, very well, unfortunately. And so I say this is a new, new thing that uh, is endorsed by China, and uh, why not give it a try? That's why I was running. So do you think this 30% turnout was to be expected? Um, I've, I've seen that number before predictions that it would be around 30 percent, um, which, you know, in, in essence, obviously, uh, in 1991, I think was 39 percent. Um, but uh, because it's a new system, and, and also I think many young people decided not to vote, um, unfortunately, because I think if you do have a vote, why not vote? Uh, but many, you know, in protest decided not to vote. We can see most, many of the voters were of the middle age and some of the older generation that did vote. And so, um, listen, 30% is still not an insignificant amount, uh, but of course I would have liked to have seen 50%. Yeah, from so what you're suggesting, most of the voters seem to be older. Of course, we don't actually have the data on that. No, we don't have yet. the data yet, but yeah. just in seeing who was at some of the polling stations, uh, it seemed to be not that many young people, but, uh, you know, uh, listen, we've come through 2019, which was a difficult, uh, uh, difficult time for Hong Kong. And many young people were very disillusioned with the government, disillusioned with their life, with upward youth, upward mobility, uh, was not to be seen for many of them. And uh, they still don't, uh, you know, don't think, don't believe that their life will get better. And I think it's up to this ledge code to make sure that this, their life does get better. And hopefully in the next election, more and more 
young people will decide, yes, things are changing in our favor, and uh, we'll probably go to vote. So, Professor Burns, uh, what do you think can be done to encourage these young voters to take part in, uh, you know, in, in the political process again, the democratic so, process? Yes, I think um, we have to see how the new arrangements are going to work out. Alan said, give, give the new Let's Go a chance, and I think that's a very appropriate way to look at this. Um, and as I've said before, if the Let's Go is disciplined and does support the government, then this, as we all expect it would, and the government is able to solve problems because, you know, we're all assuming that, that we have a high-capacity government here, and I'm unwilling to make that assumption. I think we have to wait and see whether in this environment it is going to be able to do that. As I've said before, political capacity is a very important part of solving problems, and there seem to be huge holes in the political capacity of the current government. Will LegCo on its own be able to solve these problems? I'm not so sure. Mr. Zeman, uh, earlier you, you talked about diversity in uh, this, uh, this year's uh, election, uh, uh, LegCo election. Do you think this diversity is a good thing, or, or, or could it make things uh, more difficult uh, in LegCo? Well, I think it's a good thing. It's a, it's a good attempt uh, by China to really include uh, uh, qualified people, better people, who they think uh, can really help Hong Kong and help this LegCo to really um, unstick things, you know, get things moving. Um, you know, I think, as, as I say, uh, one of the biggest problems, just in getting back to what Professor Barnes has said, um, I think that the, one of the biggest problems is the bureaucracy within the government and at the moment. And I mean, that LegCo hopefully will be able to uh, force the government somehow to uh, clean up some of the bureaucracy, you know, uh, many of the different government uh, um, ministers, you know, just are still practicing the old ways of, 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 of getting things done, uh, with building department, uh, land department, planning department, town planning, many things, you know, uh, the laws still have not been upgraded for many, many years. And I think in this uh, age of technology, uh, things should change and should, uh, and maybe they better attract, or they have to attract a better quality of, of some ministers, you know, some are very, very good and some are not. And some, some just follow the old ways of what they've been taught. So I think, I think we really need to re-energize um, the government uh, in order to get Hong Kong moving again. This LegCo hopefully will have the message to get that done. So Professor Burns, do you see that there's actually a greater diversity in LegCo, in this new LegCo? Well, there, yes, there is some diversity, I have to agree. Um, these are sort of party-defined patriots. There are many, many patriots out in the community who were not part of this process, so it, I could imagine it being more diverse. Um, there are, so I would have to agree that there is uh, more diversity than previously, and I also agree that the, the former arrangements were not working for Hong Kong, so 
there needed to be some change, and so this is the change that the central government has has decided for Hong Kong. So we we still have to see whether these diverse arrangements will work, whether the LegCo will be disciplined, whether it will support the government, and whether the government has the capacity to solve these problems. These are all unknown at this point. Yeah, so Alan Zeman just suggested right now that uh, he and Mike Rouse, who are the only two non-Chinese candidates, he felt that perhaps some of his uh, campaign um, material only appeared in English and didn't reach out to voters. Do you do you feel or do you agree? Do you think that was a reason behind his loss? Or, or? well, so these, you know, I mean, this was inside the election committee. It wasn't a geographic constituency election. It was inside the election committee. So this is, has a very very narrow electorate, and. Um, what accounted for the loss, I don't know. I'm prepared to believe that, you know, the liaison office did not tell people how to vote So in the election committee or in the geographic constituencies. But they did, through vetting and through assigning candidates to sectors and to constituencies, they had a very heavy influence on this, and they, they wanted some competition for these election committee um, uh, positions in Lechko, and they were able to get uh, 50 or 51 for 40 seats. And so there was some um, kind of competition. Exactly how the election committee members voted, I have no insight. I don't know any of them. Mm -hmm. Professor Barnes is correct. The liaison office did not uh, tell anyone who to vote for or what to vote. It really was a very fair vote. And so, you know, when, when you ask me why I wasn't elected, who knows? It's the only thing I can think of. I've done so much for Hong Kong, and I'm, I thought, quite popular. Uh, but again, it was, you know, 1,448 voters. Depends who the demographics are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, we do have some of the functional constituency results rolling in. Um, I'm looking at the Electoral Affairs Commission website. Um, and so for the finance, financial services sector, we have Robert Lee Waiwang. He's got 314 votes. Um, and and uh, over in the Hungi Cook, of course, um, you know, we have uh, Kenneth Lauip Kang, who's you know, landslide, 119 versus the 35 that went to Mok Kam Kwai. Um, and so all these are gradually coming in for the sports, performing arts, cultural, uh, culture and publication sector. It is Kenneth Fok Kai Kong with 195 votes, uh, as opposed to only 29 votes for William So Wai Long. So, yeah, so we, we're all, you know, yeah. waiting for the um, function. For the results. Exactly. Yeah, um, yeah so Professor Burns, um, the DAB um, landslide victory, basically, you know, they, they, they took all uh, ten, 10 seats that they, uh, you know, were vying for. Um, how do you see the future of the DAB in Hong Kong? Well, I think it's very... The future is very good, but, but how, listen, we have no, a 90-seat legislature, and out of these 90 seats, 
only 20 seats are determined by how well, how well you're able to appeal to voters in uh, universal suffrage-type elections. The DAB has a proven track record in its ability to do that. And so insofar as that part of Let's Go remains uh, an important uh, uh, consideration or important function going forward, I think they will do well as they have done in the past. I believe in the election committee itself, though, there was one DAB candidate that wasn't elected. Correct Correct me if I'm wrong. Correct. Uh, so so that, that is an indication. Their strength is in the geographic constituencies. Their st- they appeal to uh, certain members of the public. And insofar as public opinion matters for LegCo, then the DAB will be able to do well in the geographic constituencies. Uh, does the government care about public opinion? I don't know. So if they do, then I guess they would be recruiting some of these people into Exco or some kind of things like that. If they don't, well, then they will just be LegCo members. All right, uh, Professor Burns, I'm afraid we have to take a short break for the news summary at nine. Uh, thank you uh, again, Mr. Zeman, for joining us this morning. That's uh, businessman Alan Zeman, who uh, failed to secure one of the 40 um, seats in the election committee constituency. And uh, Professor Burns, you'll be staying with us for a bit longer so we uh, can continue our discussion right after the news. And uh, for those of you tuning in, if you want to ask questions or just share your views on the Legico election, and give us a call. Our number is 233-88266. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, now the weather forecast. Cloudy with occasional rain, the top temperature will be around 19 degrees. Winds fresh northeasterlies, occasionally strong offshore and on high ground. And the outlook, cool and uh, cloudy with rain tomorrow. At the moment, the uh, temperature reading at the observatory is uh, 16 degrees and uh, the relative humidity right now is 80%. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Welcome back. This is Back Chat on a Monday morning with Jenny Lam and me, Janice Wong. Let's get back to our discussion on the electoral election. As I was saying earlier, not all the results are in yet, but we do have full results for the 40 seats in the new election committee constituency and the 20 seats in the geographical constituencies, and also a few from the functional constituencies. If you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. Our email is backchat at rthk.hk. Our telephone number is 233-88266. And our Facebook page is backchat at rthk radio 3. Still with us on the line is Professor John Burns, an emeritus professor at the Department of Politics and Public Administration at the University of Hong Kong. Also joining us now from the Election Centre, we have our reporter, Damon Pang. Good morning, Damon. Hey, good morning to you. So, so what's the latest? Right, uh, just now there are a couple of incumbent uh, councillors who failed in their re-election bids. Liberal Party leader Felix Chung in textiles and garments, he lost. He lost to Sunny Town of the Federation of Industries. Uh, Sunny winning by 182 votes to 72. Uh, the Business and Professional Alliance's Christopher Cheng, who was a representative in the financial services sector, he also lost 
to Robert Lee. Mr. Lee, from, uh, who chairs the Securities Association, he won by 314 uh, votes to 169. Uh, Mr. Lee said he, thinks he spoke to a lot of voters in the industry and they are looking for change. He said he hopes to represent small brokerages uh, and small to medium enterprises as well and hope that there could be prosperity among different companies and industries. And this is quite surprising, isn't it? I mean, I mean, from, for example, for Felix Chung, he's been serving uh, Lechko for, for quite some time. Indeed. And uh, one wonders why, uh, whether it has anything to do with the Liberal Party itself, because uh, we can see that actually the transport sector lawmaker, Frankie Yek, he got uh, re-elected just now, but not for Felix Chung. He's relatively... Uh, quite outspoken in in the uh, past couple of years, if you recall, say in the 2019 unrest, he actually called for the formation of a uh, committee to probe uh, alleged police brutality. He was quite outspoken, uh, say uh, in it wasn't exactly uh, uh, following all the uh, government's lines uh, in terms of commenting on the protests, etc., etc. So uh, one wonders if if that's uh, have anything to do with that. And uh, so um, what other results are we are we still waiting for? We are, yes. Uh, actually, just now there was the education sector uh, results that came in. The Federation of Education Workers uh, candidate, he won by... Uh, he took the seats... At, excuse me, his name is Vincent Chu. He won the seats by over 10,000 votes, defeating the closest competitor, James Lamb. He got around 4,500 votes. Of course, this this sector uh, keeps a lot of the individual votes that teachers still have. But obviously, the uh, t- uh, professional teachers union, who, they, who used to be, which used to be the largest union uh, in the education sector in Hong Kong, has disbanded in the past year. Uh, so that was that. And also there are a couple of new constituencies uh, in the uh, commercial third uh, just now. The uh, Eric Yim from China Merchants Pot Holdings, he won the seat commercial third, defeating Tony Yao from China Overseas Property. So, Damien, you know, earlier, well, very early in the morning, there were some complaints that the ballot boxes were coming in too slow. There was a problem separating, um, you know, blank ballots with with the actual uh, vote. How is that vote counting going? Is it going smoothly? Any more problems? Uh, Compared to what happened in September when the election committee polls took place, I guess, relatively speaking, this was somewhat smooth. the the initial uh, election committee polls came out, uh, the results came out at around 2.30. That might have been slightly slower than maybe some would expect, but given that all, the, all, the, all of them were electronically counted, uh, I guess it was relatively okay. Uh, not as bad as last time anyway, because uh, last time it, 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 it involved... It did involve, like, about 4,500 uh, voters. And there are fewer this time, it's less than 1,500, but, but it's, it was a point of emphasis for the electoral officials and they did do a better job this time because last time it took them until like six-something six to, to finish. Uh, for the other, uh, as you mentioned, the, the, the ballots with uh, invalid problems, uh, they were relatively uh, 
quicker than, I guess, in the general election, say, five years ago, because obviously there, it, it does involve a little bit more uh, problematic votes. But uh, generally speaking, it wasn't that slow. Like, all the results are, are in around uh, seven-something, eight-something this morning. So it's not that bad, I guess. All right, uh, Damon, I, I, I better let you go. I know you've been stay, staying up uh, all night. Uh, thank you for joining us this morning. And that's uh, Damon Pang from uh, joining us from the Election Centre. And uh, we also now have on the line Mike Rouse, uh, who many of you know is a regular co-host of Backchat, who also just lost in the battle for one of the 40 election committee constituency seats. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. Hi. Morning, Hi, good morning. So, um, so how do you feel and, and where do you think your campaigning fell short? Uh, well, first of all, I'm very tired. Um, the last uh, few weeks have been absolutely uh, fantastic on the road. I mean, getting round to different groups, visiting the fishermen in Aberdeen, the farmers in Yunlong, uh, going to see the trade unionists in uh, Kowloon City and so on. Every day there were events, different forums where you had to get out and, and put your views across. So one thing is I'm tired. Um, I'm disappointed. I, I think uh, we ran a good campaign. I had a bold uh, manifesto. I, I think I put out there all the issues that needed to be addressed. I talked about how to get things done on housing. Uh, I talked about minimum flat size. I talked about doing something about the working poor um, and uh, the poverty, poverty among the elders uh, that I think is going to be a tsunami that's going to hit us. So, I was very proud of the manifesto um, and disappointed that uh, I think I could have made a contribution too, and I think Alan would have made a contribution. Disappointed, but so, were you actually surprised at all? In a little way. I mean, we were both um, in, in, encouraged to run in the sense by the fact that we got the, the nomination. That was, that was a tough call. You had to get two signed nominations in each of the five uh, sectors. And we were both able to do that. Um, so that meant that it was okay for us to run. Uh, and I think the director of the Hong Kong Mao made some remarks about the diversity of the candidates. And uh, I think he probably would have liked one of us to have won. Um, but as it turned out, we neither of us did. So, yeah. Alan Zeman suggested um, earlier that he felt, well, maybe, you know, all of his campaign materials only in English, maybe people didn't understand it, couldn't reach some people. Do you think, what are your thoughts on that? Well, first of all, I did use a little Cantonese, much to the entertainment of the voters. Um, and I did produce for every single uh, thing that we uh, attended at, at a summary in Chinese of my views of that subject. So, yeah, the sound of English is not that bad, especially in some of the uh, sectors. Um, but there was also something in Chinese for every voter so, to know exactly where I was coming from. So for me, maybe I felt that was less of a problem. So, so what do you think of the uh, new makeup of uh, this uh, election committee constituency? It's very, I'm going to take time to think about that because it, it was it's a, a fabulous experience getting around to, to them all. Uh, some areas I wasn't sure um, that I knew uh, them. I didn't feel them enough. The, uh, the grassroots, as I've, I've mentioned, 
and also the district administration people. Because you've got your five sectors. You've got your business people in sector one. You've got your professionals basically in sector two. And then three and four, your grassroots and your district representatives. And five, of course, is the is the national uh, linked people. Um, I think I was doing okay and communicating well with one, two, and five. Um, maybe both Alan and I suffered in three and four. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we now have more of the functional constituencies results um, coming in. Um, yep. So for the tourism sector, uh, Leung Yu Pak uh, has 160 votes over only 13 votes for Ma Yat Chu. And then also in the uh, technology and innovation sector, um, Duncan Chu has won. He's, he has 59 votes. And then um, in... Commercial third, it goes to uh, Eric Yim or Yim Kong, who is 174. I mean, you know, you know some of these margins are, are much bigger than others. This one is a big one. This one's textile and garment. Sunny Tang has had 172 votes, as opposed to Chung Kwok Pan, who only has 82. Um, overall, uh, Professor Burns, um, do, do any of these results even surprise you? Well, the functional constituencies really have nothing to do with the people of Hong Kong directly. And if you, then it, I'm always impressed when you read out these numbers about how small the voting base is for each of these functional constituencies. So um, uh, based on the earlier results, I guess the voters in the, their constituency voted against more independent views. This is the first time that all of the functional constituencies have ever ever been uh, competed. So, um, you know, I mean, it's a it's a, as Pandems used to say, it's a small circle election. It's a small small little group, and also the election committee is the same way that are uh, determining these uh, outcomes. This is our system, but that that. Uh, also what it is. Yeah, so, so since none of the non-establishment candidates uh, came through, do you agree that that's kind of the, the really the, the end of uh, what we knew as a pandemic? So while everyone is lauding the diversity of this arrangement, let's look at the results. They seem to be anything but diverse. So um, as I said before, in order to get things done, we need high-capacity government, and political capacity is a very important part of that. And the people play a role in that. You have to be trusted by the people, you have to be accountable, you have to encourage uh, popular participation, because you need the people to co-produce these outcomes that everybody wants. And the People have basically turned their back on this, so I'm I'm a bit worried. You know, we'll have the support in LegCo from a less diverse LegCo in some respects, but will we have a resolution of our policy problems? I don't know. I think the elections in the election committee were not based on policy. That you know, they were based more on. Um, who 
you know, on conformity to uh, some kind of uh, idea that uh, the liaison office uh, put forward. All right, Professor Burns, I have an email here, and it's uh, it's about your your comments earlier. This uh, email is from Peter. He says, uh, yes, the 30% voter turnout is disappointing, and defiantly, the anti-government, anti-China camp, including the West, will try to capitalize on it. People should keep in mind that the system is new and has received a lot of negative press, particularly from Western media. However, some of Professor Burns' comments are premature and disingenuous. For instance, to simply say the 70% who didn't turn up to vote are anti-government is grasping straws. In comparison, no election in the West has 100% turnout. For example, the last Hong Kong election had 58% turnout, the highest ever in Hong Kong history. In the U.S., we frequently see voter turnout rates of less than 50%. And uh, he goes on and he says, uh, as for Hong Kong, we we need to wait and see how the new system, government and LegCo will perform and if they're able to tackle the most pressing and likelihood issues effectively after a decade of filibustering by the pan-democratic camp. And that email is from Peter. So uh, what's your response, Professor Burns? So, uh, of course, I agree that we have to wait and see. That's what I've said all along. But I, you know, I think the 30% turnout rate is telling. Um, And it does indicate alienation of a huge group of the population. I speculate that it's young people in particular. So I stand by my comments. I do think it shows... You know, 70% of the people turned their back on the election. I didn't say they were, you know, they were anti-China. They certainly turned their back on this election. They had more important things to do, such as picnics or whatever. I don't know what people were doing uh, or riding around on the MTR. But it does show alienation. And I think if the government ignores this, then they're ignoring a source of instability in Hong Kong, and this is bad for the future of Hong Kong. Mike Rouse, what do you think of the uh, turnout rate? Well, it's pretty much what I expected in the geographic constituencies. Um, Traditionally, it's split about 60-40 between uh, independents and Democrats on the one hand, and uh, pro-government people on the other, more conservative on the other. You come, you come to a Sunday where the people uh, who used to be in the majority don't really like most of the candidates. Um, they, they can't see any reason to turn up. And even the uh, pro, more conservative people think, well, it's not really a competition, so uh, we don't need to turn out to make sure our guys win. So I think... 30 percent actually was very much in line with what I was expecting under the new format. You know, the government did uh, work pretty hard in encouraging the votes. Here on RTHK, the the, the message encouraging people to come and vote was played every half an hour. Um, what uh, yeah, more? You could, lost some listeners during that. Yeah. What What more could you do? Well, it wasn't just RTHK; it was everywhere. No. You know, banners yeah. everywhere. What, what more could be done to to encourage these people to come out? I don't think there was anything. Um, honestly, it's not a PR issue. It's a it's a substantive issue. People looking uh, looking at what the prospects were. I think uh, it seems to be generally agreed that. We should give the new legislature time 
to prove its mettle. One of the reasons I was disappointed, I thought that I could have contributed in the scrutiny of some of the important bills that are going to be coming up. Um, for example, on the Article 23 legislation. And there you do need an, a, an older hand, an experienced hand. Alan and I, apart from being the only two non-hand Chinese, were also the two oldest candidates uh, for the election committee. Uh, another aspect, I think, uh, is the international community in Hong Kong and the international business community in particular. I think either of us could have played a useful liaison role there within Hong Kong in the first instance. Of course, when there's travel opens up again, we could have done this uh, globally, but uh, it wasn't to be. So we just have to face that and see how the guys who did get in handle these questions. So you, you mentioned Article 23. What other um, challenges do you see ahead for this new LegCo? Well, as I mentioned, I, I think we're in for a tsunami of elderly poverty, and we really got to think about this. Thankfully, we're not anymore kicking people out of the government at the age of 60, which is what happened to me. Um, it's now, I think, more generally accepted 65 and even beyond. I think we've got to be a bit more aggressive in this area. If people are fit to work, they should be allowed to continue working um, if, if they want to. Uh, I think that's got to be looked at because, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm not sure we go as far as the states where there is now, I think, no retirement age. Um, but we, that philosophy, that general feeling, uh, it's got, I think it's going to have to be looked at in the mainland as well. People are going to reach 60, 65, and their MPF is not going to be enough to sustain them in their retirement. Well, yes, this is a worldwide problem, really. Um, it is. Yes. Um, Professor Burns, what do you see some of the challenges ahead for the new LegCo? Well, we've talked, uh, you know, incessantly about housing problems and social mobility for young people. These are the two huge, huge elephants in the room. And does the government have capacity to solve these things? Even if you get everyone lined up in Let's Go to vote yes, 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 I mean, the, gov the policies have to be right. And the government has to bring the people along to implement the policies. So, I mean, take, look at uh, solid waste management. That We're coming along with that, and we're going to be charging people for that, and this requires people's active cooperation. But if you have huge swathes of the community that are alienated from government and turn their back simply because the government has uh, disqualified so many of their leaders, jail them, and many of them have left, um, then I think this is not a recipe for being very optimistic. I agree we have to see. I don't want to prejudge the matter, but I keep going back to these political issues because they are extremely significant. All right. I have another email here. It says uh, it's from Dennis. It says, uh, "Dear Batchat, do you know how many Hong Kongers living in mainland on the mainland voted, and uh, in which statistics were they included when measuring the percentage of voters?" 
Um, well, Dennis, I'm looking at our newsroom website right now, our RTHK website, and uh, it says the chairman of the Electoral Affairs Commission, Barnabas Fung, revealed that about 17,000 people voted at the three polling stations at the border. And uh, 53 voted in the uh, Penny's Bay's uh, quarantine centre, just in case you're interested. And uh, that's the latest figure. And uh, so uh, let's continue, Professor Burns. Um, looking at uh, the new Legislative Council, um, you don't believe it's very uh, uh, diversified, but um, there are more independent uh, lawmakers now and instead of in the past when they are mainly made up of uh, lawmakers uh, from different parties. Do you think, um, how do you think that will impact on the actual productivity of LegCo? So this is what we need to see, and this the, if the impact of the liaison office in disciplining these 90 people. We have the functional constituencies, that's 30, and so these people will, do, will they behave as functional constituency representatives have behaved in the past, which is simply they're not interested in anything except their own narrow interests and they will advocate for their own narrow interests and walk away from the rest. My hunch is the liaison office will no longer allow them to do this. For the election committee members, those 40, I believe they will be disciplined. How, how much um, they're going to be allowed to, um, you know, advocate their own policy solutions, I'm not clear. This this. This is a black box at the moment. My so we, do, we don't really know how this is going to work. One of, your, one of your listeners said it's a new system. Well, they all said it's a new system. Yes, yes, it is a new system. And so we have to um, let it operate and see what happens. Mike Rouse, uh, what are your thoughts? I mean, um, Professor Burns keep uh, using the word disciplined uh, like, uh, um, quite often. I mean, do you think that is the way it's going to be? I mean, you've been um, communicating with uh, people who are competing for the election uh, committee constituency seats. I mean, what, what do you think is going to happen? Mike, are you I'm there? Wait and see. Yeah, sorry, I can hear you. <laughs> Yeah, so, so I think, what do you We're think of... we to see. It puts mm. a big responsibility, I think, on the parties that did well uh, in the election. Um, they have uh, large numbers now of, of members of the DAB, for example. They're going to have to deliver. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, uh, as one of the uh, uh, listeners um, uh, emailed in um, asking about this arrangement of Hong Kong people living in the mainland voting... Um, I'm looking at the, actually the South China Morning Post, which says that 22,130 Hong Kongers living across the border have registered. Now, these people, um, some of them were bused to some, uh, or, or, or transported to uh, Hong Yun Wai, Lowu, and Lok Ma Child Spur Line to vote. Right. Um, and, and actually, by uh, I don't have the more updated figures, but by 4.30 um, in the afternoon yesterday, the turnout at some of these was 64%, much higher than what it is um, in Hong Kong. Does that surprise you, anybody? Uh, not really, uh, mm. because these are the people who made a special effort. I mean, face to face it, the flow of uh, P Hong Kong people across the border in normal times is massive every day. It's one of the busiest borders in the world. Um, so a lot of these people would have 
been in Hong Kong or would have timed a visit to Hong Kong to have voted here if they had been able to do so. But because of the quarantine in both directions, they couldn't do that. So these were people who might, might have been here in the normal course of events um, and uh, with an interest in Hong Kong politics because they're directly affected by it uh, when, they, when they've got one foot on this side of the border. So I'm not surprised they had a particular interest. They registered and then they enjoyed the transport. Yeah, Professor Burns, what about you? Do you, do you are you surprised that the turnout um, from people living over on the mainland is much higher than here? So I, I understood that about 100,000 uh, people could have voted, and 22,000 registered, and 17,000 17, of those 22,000 actually voted. For the, for the numbers that voted out of registration, I do not. I'm not surprised that it is high, and I guess they voted in the geographic constituencies in which they have a residence in Hong Kong. That was one of the questions, although I haven't actually um, heard that, but I guess that's, that they would have voted in that geographic constituency. So, no, I, you know, but it, the, the potential large group was 100,000, so if we look at that, it's, uh, it's um, why did only 22,000 bother to do this? The government made it quite difficult. You had to be tested, and you had to go through these special arrangements to register, and the amount of time to do this was uh, not a few weeks, I believe. So from the, if we look at the larger group that it could have been, um, I'm not so sure. I do think, though, that the government must adopt new technology to allow as many people as possible to vote through absentee ballots, and through all kinds of other ways. We are very backward here in the way we uh, carry out these elections. We do not encourage participation the way other places do. I think we could do much more of this. All right, uh, we'll have to leave it here for now. Thank you again, Professor Burns, for joining us this morning. That's uh, Professor John Burns, an Emeritus Professor at the Department of Politics and Public Administration at the University of Hong Kong. Also, many thanks to Mike Rouse, a regular backchat host who failed to secure a seat in the Legislative Council. And of course, uh, thank you to uh, all of you who commented. And uh, many thanks to my co-host Jenny and our producer Yuki. Thank you. Now, thank you. Now to leave you uh, with the weather. It'll be cloudy with occasional rain. The top temperature will be around 19 degrees. Winds fresh northeasterlies, occasionally strong offshore and on high ground. And the outlook, cool and cloudy with rain tomorrow. Right now, it's uh, 16 degrees and the relative humidity 79%. The 14th five-year plan enhances Hong Kong as a regional intellectual property trading hub. Hong Kong has a sound legal system, top professional services, and robust intellectual property protection, bringing business opportunities to all. The Intellectual Property Department offers the IP Manager Scheme Plus with professional training courses and provides a free intellectual property consultation service. For details, visit ip.gov.hk. Get ahead in the new era of the knowledge economy. It's now 9.31, the news with Todd Harding. With all the results now in from the geographical constituencies in yesterday's LegCo election, non-establishment candidates have failed to win a single seat.
by contrast, the DAB has emerged as the big winner, with its candidates winning in each of the 10 constituencies. The DAB's chairwoman, Starry Lee, won nearly 96,000 votes in Kowloon Central, the most among geographical constituency candidates. In the election committee constituency, all nine incumbent lawmakers were re-elected, with Priscilla Lern getting the highest number of votes among all the candidates. There are a lot of new faces, including Principal Tang Fei, lawyer Maggie Chan, accountant Nelson Lam and Reverend Peter Kuhn. In the functional constituency race, incumbents Felix Chung and Christopher Chung were defeated in their re-election bids. In the textiles and garment sector, the Liberal Party leader lost to Sonny Tan of the Federation of Industries. In the financial services sector, Mr Jung from the Business and Professionals Alliance was defeated by Robert Lee, who chairs the Hong Kong Securities Association. I'll have more news at 10 o'clock. Cheers, Tom. And a very good morning to you. Thanks to Janice. The Bad Chat team. This is James Ross in for Phil today on the Morning Brew. We're going to do Christmas and a bit through the week. Five days to go and counting. It's the most wonderful time of the year. With the kids jingle belling and everyone telling you be of good cheer. It's the most wonderful time. Caroling out in the snow There'll be scary ghost stories And tales of the glories Of Christmases long, long ago It's the most wonderful time of the year There'll be much mistletoeing And hearts will be glowing When loved ones are near It's the most wonderful time Stories and tales of the glories of Christmas as long, long ago. 